The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. The U.S.'s vaccination program against COVID-19 kicking into high gear today as more locations get their hands on that breakthrough treatment. We are talking to one doctor who was among the first to get that shot. Those vaccine hopes failing to provide an initial boost to markets as fears over fresh lockdowns continue to grow. Congress making its latest bid to get much needed stimulus to Americans with just days to go to get the job done. And new potential troubles for Boeing as it reportedly expands inspections on its 787 model Dreamliners over a possible manufacturing defect. And tis the season Mariah Carey resuming her rightful reign over the top of the pop charts this holiday season. Yes, it is that time of year. All I want for Christmas is something. December 15, 2020, you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning and welcome to the show. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. Here's how your money and the global markets are setting their Tuesday up right now. Futures indicating what should be a decently higher open. Dow Jones implied higher by roughly 181 points. The S&P higher by just about 23 and the Nasdaq higher by just around 59, as you can see here. So trying to build on some of those at least mixed moves from yesterday. Remember, the Dow and the Russell 2000 small cap index finished at records or rather hit records yesterday. They come the moves off stocks ended mostly lower yesterday as a continued rise in covid cases sparks new concerns of potential economic lockdown measures. Investors will be keeping close tabs on the Fed today because Jay Powell and the central bank kick off their final policy two day meeting of 2020 ahead of that meeting. Officials struck a cautious tone about the economy in the December beige book. Also tracking what's happening with the Dow Transportation Index, down more than 2% yesterday, its worst daily performance since October, and its third negative session in a row. As you can see there, year-to-date up 14%, trailing other parts of the market. But that move lower here is something to maybe keep an eye on there. It could be foretelling something possibly worse down the line. Let's now go worldwide. Giovanna Bersecchi is in our London newsroom with the early look at the trade in Europe. Good morning, Giovanna. Morning, Don. Well, you've been talking about fears of lockdown, and I have to say that is the number one thing that European investors are focused on this morning. Right behind me, you can see most of the bourses are trading slightly in positive territory, but the theme is one of further restrictions. Yesterday, Netherlands announced a very restrictive five-week lockdown. Germany as well have announced the closure of non-essential shops over the holiday period. Italy also weighing further lockdowns as well over the coming weeks. So all of that does not bode very well for business activity 
over the month of December, even though we are heading into the festive holiday season. You can see FTSE MIB in Italy is up about two-tenths of a percentage point. Zetra DAX in Germany, the leader here, up about three-quarters of a percentage point. And then the FTSE in the UK, up about a tenth. We're still awaiting the results of those Brexit talks. Let me just take you quickly to the sectors, though, so we can break down the leadership. Right at the top today, we've got autos in Europe being led by Volkswagen. Some positive news there. That stock is up about four percentage points as it, uh, there's confirmation that the CEO is going to remain in his position, giving a boost to the sector. On the downside, we've got retail not responding well to some of these lockdown measures and healthcare defensives also on the decline today, Dom. Back to you. All right, Jumana Bersetchi, live in London. Thank you very much for that. Now to the continued rollout of COVID-19 vaccines set to gain some momentum as the outbreak crosses another bleak milestone in this country. Bertha Coombs has more on that and your other morning's top headlines. Bertha. Dom, you know, the death toll from the virus in the country has now topped 300,000 amid that vaccine rollout. Health officials say that roughly 75 to 80 percent of the U.S. population is going to need to be vaccinated in order to achieve her immunity. The current initial effort to get that vaccine out will intensify today as another 425 locations get access to the treatment. Meanwhile, U.S. officials say they are planning to ship just under 6 million doses of Moderna's COVID vaccine once it receives emergency use authorization from the FDA, which could happen as early as this Friday. In time, a bipartisan group of lawmakers have formally unveiled their latest stimulus package, which is actually two bills. The first, a $748 billion package, includes additional unemployment benefits, rent relief, and an extension of the payroll protection program. The second, a $160 billion package, covers liability protections for employers and aid to state and local governments. A vote expected to take place Friday. The deadline for funding extension to avoid a government shutdown. And California's attorney general is seeking to force Amazon to cooperate with his office's probe into the company's treatment of warehouse workers during the COVID-19 outbreak. Javier Becerra says Amazon failed to adequately respond to his office's August subpoena to get more info. And he's asking a California judge to order Amazon to comply with its its request. Becerra, of course, is uh, Joe Biden's pick to head HHS in the Biden administration. Over to you, Tom. All right, Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those headlines. Let's turn back now to the markets as investors navigate the vaccine rollout amid those mounting lockdown fears. For more now, I'm joined by Rob Morgan, Director of Market Strategy at Sethi Companies. Also, Alan Boomer, Managing Partner and Chief Investment Officer at Momentum Partners. Gentlemen, welcome to you both. Uh, Rob, I'd like to start with you on the bigger picture of what's happening right now. The markets did pull back in some cases from record highs. What exactly does that now say about where we stand as we head into the new year in 2021 with vaccines very much in play? Well, Dom, you correctly pointed out the markets for the past few days have have pulled back, but we've uh, we've got a pretty good uh, boost uh, heading into into today. I think the markets are you know looking at uh, the fact that this is and Bertha Coombs just talked about it. This is a big big week for stimulus talks because uh, the government's going to shut down if we don't get a bill on Friday, and they'd like to tag on to that uh, coronavirus relief. Um, the feds the feds meeting, and obviously they they've been sending the message that. Uh, they're just going to keep printing money until their dual mandates uh, are met, which is going to be way down the road. So I think, I think we're going to get a little optimism as we close out the year and head into 2021. Optimism. Is it justified there, Alan? I, I wonder whether or not that transportation move yesterday signals something more dire ahead in the coming weeks 
in an unseasonably weird time of year with COVID in markets that should be strong in December? We're pretty optimistic. And good morning, Dom. Thanks for having me. We're, we're pretty optimistic over at Momentum. Uh, we feel like the, the vaccine rollout is a little better than expected. We are pretty optimistic about some fiscal stimulus. We're, we're excited about a, you know, Yellen as the Treasury Secretary. You know, we think that there will be a lot of wind at our back in the markets in the coming months and years. And again, so you've got government, you've got um, you know, a bailout, not a bailout, but another round of stimulus. You have vaccine that's going better than expected. I think there's a lot to be excited about. And I think the market had been trading positively going into this news off really good expectations. And you're starting to see some of that good news come, come to fruition. All right. So, Rob, the expectations are decidedly positive. There's no doubt about it. We should be optimistic that with the vaccine right here on our doorstep, getting administered now, things are going to be good. If that's the case, then what are the best parts of the market to be at and where should you stay away from? Yeah, Dom, uh, continue to like, uh, you know, large cap growth stocks here. You know, values had a, had a good few months. But if the if the if the uh, if interest rates obviously stay low and they will and the dollar continues to tr- to trend down, that should help large cap growth stocks. And then kind of looking more into the uh, the micro portion uh, would like uh, would uh, would certainly like consumer staples, uh, financials and telecom. It seems, Rob, if, if, if I might follow up, that's a very weird mix. It's, it, it runs the spectrum of, <laughs> of, of, of everything. Yes. I, I mean, yes. is, it, is it fair to say then that, that this is a stock picker's market? Uh, what, how exactly do you then say, yes, let's go into financials and, and, and staples at the same time into like mega cap technology, which has been leading the way higher the entire time in 2020? I, I agree with you. I, I, I tend not to put all, all my eggs behind, say, uh, the, the cyclical sector or the defensive sector. I like to look at the sectors on an individual basis from kind of evaluation, technicals, and, and earnings visibility standpoint. And, and, and as you say, it's an eclectic mix that I like right now. All right. So eclectic mix there. Alan, you are a stock picker. This is what you do. You do it for client portfolios and yourself. Knowing what Rob just said and then what your own views are, what are the types of stocks that you would be going into, given that optimism that you just spoke of? If you look at the market and you think about the vaccination trade, the the sectors, the, the parts of the market that seem most highly levered or correlated to good news on the vaccine really has been value. And so there's been so much focus in 2020 on these large cap growth stocks. There's been a lot of value companies that have been overlooked. So I'm looking at companies that are trading at lower valuations today, possibly companies that have pretty decent dividend yields. So I I like names like Target. I like Walmart. I like Verizon. These are companies that, you know, Verizon yields over 4%. Target yields almost 2 Walmart yields almost 2 And And one thing about Walmart they're going to be part of the vaccine supply chain. They'll, they'll be offering the vaccine through through their stores. And, um, you know, I, again, I think there's a lot of good news on the horizon for some of these value names. Alan, if you don't mind me following up there, why the focus on dividends so much right now? Is there something that you see down the line? Is there a macro environment right now that, that dictates to you, I want to be in dividend type companies? Oh, absolutely. You know, look at interest rates. Interest rates are super low. They potentially could creep a little higher, but still 
the 10-year Treasury yields less than 1%. It will likely yield less than 1% for the coming months. And so when you start thinking about income, there, there's a, a starvation for income in the market. There's been such a big focus on these long-duration stocks that are not profitable or not paying dividends and won't be paying them anytime soon. You've got a, a bunch of names that have really good dividends that have been growing their dividends every year. And I think income is going to be really in focus in the coming years. All right. A big trend for sure developing. Rob Morgan, Alan Boomer, thank you, gentlemen, very much. Have a great day. Thanks, when we, Tom. When we come back on the show, much more on the vaccine rollout in this country. Bertha Coombs lays out the challenges officials face in getting people to accept that treatment. Plus, Attorney General William Barr heading for the exits as he announces his decision to resign within days. And then later on, navigating COVID restrictions across state lines. The CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe breaks down how his company has found success amid the COVID turbulence. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. With the Moderna vaccine poised for emergency approval this week, COVID vaccine supply is set to ramp up substantially. But what will demand look like as treatment for this outbreak becomes more widely available? Bertha Coombs joins us now with some fresh data on that front. Bertha. Dom, say they plan to be vaccinated. Not that many folks necessarily want to be the first adopter. Uh, nearly four in 10 say they're taking a wait and see approach, according to a new Kaiser Family Foundation COVID vaccine tracking poll that was done in the first week of December. One re that's one reason why healthcare workers and health officials wanted the public to see them getting the shot to help build confidence. Just over one in three black adults remain hesitant, according to KFF. That's actually down for over 40% in polls done last month. But vaccine reluctance is a bit higher among rural residents, adults in their 30s and 40s, and highest among those who identify as Republicans at 42%. Now, black health officials have been conducting outreach in the African-American community to allay fears and build confidence. For more than 70% of African-Americans, the top concern is a potential potential side effects of the shot, while just under half are leery of vaccines in general. Now, among reluctant Republicans, among the top reasons they give for not getting a vaccine, nearly six in 10 believe COVID's danger has been exaggerated, even as cases climb to new records. And they don't trust the government to make sure that the vaccine is safe, with 54% worrying about the side effects. But 85% of those surveyed say they do trust their doctor when it comes to getting correct information on the COVID vaccine. So, Don, that offers a bit of hope that if people speak one-on-one -on -one with their doctors, they might be less reluctant. 
I mean, Bertha, it does make sense, right? If you are going to have one intimate relationship with somebody outside of your family, your doctor probably knows more about you than anybody else. So what exactly can officials do to kind of combat the reluctance around the vaccine, working with those doctors to get that message out? Don, I have actually lost communication with you. But one of the things I can tell you is that we are a ramp up of a number of companies that are going to be part of this, such as Walmart, such as Walgreens. I spoke with Walgreens pharmacy officials yesterday who say they are starting to have their pharmacists talk to people about what it's going to be like, what it feels like. And of course, they don't know when they're going to see that wider rollout, but there is an education campaign that is ramping up. Interestingly, PwC in a separate survey found that regionally the Northeast was the most anxious. Uh, Two thirds of people in the Northeast say they do plan to get the vaccine within a year. And Interestingly enough, among Latinos, 71% say they plan to get the vaccine within a year. So a lot of this has to do with conversation. And the more people see people within their community get vaccinated, the belief is as they see that they're fine, uh, they don't suffer too many side effects, that that will also build confidence and demand. All right. A big communication strategy is likely key here. I hope you can hear me now. So communication is obviously a big part of this whole story. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for that. Still on deck for the show, some of tech's biggest names facing some fresh scrutiny over their data practices. Details on who's taken aim and which companies may be impacted. That's coming up next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Welcome back to the show. Let's check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Philip Mena is in New York with the latest. Good morning, Philip. Hey, Dom. Good morning. Attorney General William Barr is leaving the administration on December 23rd. President Trump made that announcement in a tweet last night. The news comes after Barr acknowledged that there were no signs of widespread election fraud, defying the president's claims otherwise. Despite the tension, Mr. Trump described the relationship as very good. And Barr's resignation letter was equally complimentary. The deputy attorney general will take over Barr's role until Inauguration Day. President-elect Joe Biden's victory is now set in stone after the Electoral College certified the results of the election. But for all the drama that led up to the vote, the day itself brought few surprises. The final results, as expected, 306 electors for Biden and 232 for Trump. 
Finally, it was a wild finish in Cleveland on Monday night football. Lamar Jackson left the game briefly for the Ravens, but returned late in the fourth just in time to find Marquise Brown, who took it to the house to give Baltimore the 42-35 lead. Just over a minute left now, Baker Mayfield hits Kareem Hunt, who takes it and lunges into the corner of the end zone to tie things up. But the Browns left too much time on the clock for Baltimore. Justin Tucker from 55 yards out. And the Ravens once again stick it to the Browns. 47 to 42, the final. One of the best games of the season, Dom. Absolutely. And with playoff implications as well, is there any more electrifying player in football right now than Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Nick Chubb all over the place. This is just a it's a great time for football. Glad we still have it for now. 2020 for sure. Philip Mena, thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Still on deck for the show here. Much more on the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine. Our Contessa Brewer lays out the skepticism among some frontline workers, frontline workers that has them avoiding that treatment. And then coming up on Squawk Box, Berkshire Hathaway CEO Warren Buffett and Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon joined to discuss the biggest challenges facing backbones of this country's economy, small business struggling with no signs of relief. All of that conversation coming up at 8 a.m. Eastern time on Squawk Box. Worldwide Exchange is back on CNBC after this. The vaccination rollout ramps up in the U.S. More locations set to get that historic treatment. We're talking to one doctor who is among the first to get the shot. Potential new headaches for Boeing. Details about the apparent new defect concerns surrounding its 787 model Dreamliner. And taking office casual to new heights as the pajama suit. Yes, the pajama suit helps you keep it professional and comfy at the same time. Talk about hybrid clothing. It is Tuesday, December 15th. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. I have to wear a suit and tie every day. Welcome back to the show. I am Dominic Chu in for Brian Sullivan today. Here is how your money and investments are looking halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour. Futures pointing to some modest gains at the opening bell with the Dow implied higher by roughly 175 points. The S&P higher by about 20 some points and the Nasdaq higher by just around 53 The Nasdaq, remember, the only one of the three major indices that was higher in yesterday's trade. The moves come after that mixed session. A continued rise in COVID cases is sparking new concerns of potential lockdown measures in not just the United States, but Europe as well. We are also watching crude oil prices back to its highest level since early March. Oil currently hovering right around $47 a barrel for West Texas Intermediate American Benchmark crude. Remember, it's still down about 22 percent year to date, still off 28 percent from its most recent 52 week high. Sixty five bucks was that mark back in January. Now to the latest on a new crackdown surrounding big technology companies. Bertha Coombs has more on that and your morning's other top stories. Bertha. Dom, the Federal Trade Commission is ordering Facebook, Twitter, Amazon and other big tech companies to explain how they collect and use people's personal data. The list also includes WhatsApp, TikTok and Snap. The FTC wants to know how they decide what ads to show you, how algorithms are used and how their practices impact children and teenagers. Companies have 45 days to respond to the order, which are typically used to create policy or recommend legislation. 
Meantime, Boeing is expanding inspections of newly built 787 Dreamliner jets after finding more production defects in sections of where they hadn't previously been detected. Boeing says the problem doesn't pose an immediate safety hazard. Earlier this month, Boeing says safety inspections on the 787 were taking longer than expected, hampering its ability to deliver jets to customers. And Apple plans to ramp up iPhone production by nearly 30 percent in the first half of next year. The Nikkei Asia reporting that Apple could be aiming to produce up to 230 million iPhones in 2021. That's a 20 percent increase from last year. People also, Apple also reportedly increasing production of its high-end computer products, including the MacBook Pro. I guess with that, uh, those chips now being controlled by their fate, they're their own chips, they can really ramp things up more quickly. Trying to control your own destiny for sure there. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those headlines. We appreciate it. Well, the rollout of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is set to intensify today. 425 more locations will get access to that treatment. That's on top of the 145 that got it yesterday, with hundreds more set to get access later on in the week and then beyond. But not everyone is getting on board with getting the vaccine, including, believe it or not, some of the frontline workers in the COVID fight. Contessa Brewer joins us now outside the New York City COVID Command Center in Lower Manhattan with more. Contessa, I, I'm shocked. Why are they not getting the vaccine? I mean, it's a great question. And, and what we're going to see here, Dom, in the coming days is that you've got hospitals around the nation vaccinating these frontline workers against COVID-19. But at Northwell Health, where a critical care nurse became the first to get the shot, those vaccinations are not mandatory. A spokesman told CNBC this vaccine emergency approval and therefore anyone who declines to be vaccinated for any reason what has the right to do so. Believe in the science behind this vaccine and that it will shorten the COVID-19 pandemic, but it will be our employees' right to choose whether to get vaccinated or not. So, you know, look, that's an important distinction, Dom. Hospitals and nursing homes often require to get, say, an annual flu vaccine. COVID vaccines go through the same as testing. Skepticism, a Pew survey, this say they are not likely to get the vaccine. And here in New York City, look, just right across the street, firefighters are the frontline workers here. And they say, 55% of them say, no. They are not going to get the vaccine. We talked to the Uniformed Fires Association about that. We just hope uh, they make an informed choice. That's really what it comes down to, an informed and educated choice. And they have to do what's best for themselves. Look, the bottom line here is that because it was an emergency use authorization, what you're hearing from a lot of people is that they're going to have to make the choice for themselves, Tom. All right, Contessa Brew with the latest there on frontline workers and the vaccination progress there. Contessa, thank you. Let's bring in Dr. Mark Conroy, an emergency medicine physician at the Ohio State University Wexner Medical Center. He received the vaccine yesterday. Doctor, thank you very much for joining us this morning. I'd like to hit on two big themes that we've spoken about in this show so far. You just heard Contessa saying that there is a reluctance by some frontline workers in the COVID fight to get the vaccine. Meanwhile, Bertha Coombs earlier this hour told us that communications between doctors and their patients will be key to establishing a comfort level in getting the vaccination. 
What exactly is that balance that has to be struck? Well, I agree with uh, everything that I've heard so far, which is that this is a uh, right of people to make this choice. And I think that um, it's important for physicians, though, to show people that this vaccine is safe. This is not a new technology. And this is something that can really make a big impact uh, in this pandemic. And so uh, just being good examples for the community, being able to talk with our patients and show them that a large number of people have received it is an important step. We're showing a photo right now of you you getting the actual shot there. You are a medical doctor, a medical professional. Do you did you feel comfortable getting it? Did, did you feel any reluctance whatsoever? Did you worry that the rushed way in which the vaccine was kind of brought to acceptance and market somehow impacts the efficacy or the side effects coming down the line, possibly? I honestly didn't. I, you know, I'm an emergency medicine physician at Ohio State. I work in the emergency department regularly and take care of COVID patients, you know, almost every shift. And um, having read up on the vaccine, having read about the trials, having read the data that the FDA released uh, with their approval, there was really no hesitation on my part to get this vaccine. The uh, We were not the first people to receive this. It's been trialed. Uh, this was after a phase three trial with tens of thousands of people who've received it. And so I didn't feel any hesitation to get it on my part. You work for a university medical program. Do you get the sense that your feelings are the same as your peers throughout the Ohio State University medical system? I do. I think there was a lot of buzz yesterday. A lot of people who've been excited to sign up and get themselves an appointment to get this vaccine. Uh, we are as a medical center starting this vaccination process yesterday and really ramping it up today. And we expect to use up, you know, as much of the first allocation as we can, because we have a lot of frontline workers who are excited for this opportunity. What exactly is the case that you would make now to to frontline workers, not just here in this country, but but elsewhere around the world as well, as to why it's important for them to get vaccinated for this particular disease ahead of their treatment for everybody else out there who may be succumbing to this disease? Well, I would think I would encourage them to read the data and, you know, make a decision for themselves and for their families. Um, but when it all comes down to it, you know, it's, it's time for physicians to be a good example for the community. We've been a good example for years, and we can continue that with this vaccine. And, you know, I, I think that's, it's been shown to be safe, and it's a great opportunity for everyone. As I as I kind of look at the whole process as it's developing, we talked about this notion that doctors and, and their patients and the relationship between them will be key to getting people to feel comfortable. What exactly then would you give in terms of advice to your fellow medical professionals out there about getting people to feel comfortable with the notion of getting vaccinated? You know, I just think setting an example, um, you know, allowing them to make the decision themselves, but showing them the data talking to them uh, about how I'm feeling. You know, it's been, a, it's been a great 24 hours almost. I haven't had a single symptom so far. And, you know, I've just been excited to, you know, have, uh, have the opportunity. So I think just encouraging them to make this decision and really put a lot of thought into how it impacts them, how it impacts their practice going forward, uh, um, and how in the long run it can impact our communities. And then before we let you go, Dr., what exactly is your biggest fear? What's the biggest hurdle that you see coming down the line here? What exactly is it that could make this vaccination effort perhaps a little bit harder to come by than initially thought? 
I think the biggest hurdle is just the skepticism that we've been discussing. Um, there's a lot of uh, information out there and there's a lot of, uh, you know, people questioning its efficacy, but in the long run, uh, it's just doing a good education out, uh, effort, um, making sure that people understand the safety behind this vaccine and how important it could be to uh, bringing an end to this pandemic. All right. Dr. Mark Conroy at Ohio State, thank you very much. Please keep in touch and let us know your progress there, how you're feeling and everything else. We look forward to catching up with you soon. Great. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Coming up on the show, finding success amid a mountain of COVID-related restrictions. The CEO of one restaurant chain doing just that lays out what his strategy was. But first, as we head out to break, some of your other top stories. Google CEO Sundar Pichai is extending employees' work-from-home period until next September. In an email memo, Pichai said the company will expect employees to come to the office at least three days a week, effectively axing the idea of permanent remote work. California has fined Uber $59 million for failing to provide the state's utilities commission with information on certain sexual assault and harassment claims. The commission judge ordered Uber to answer questions regarding a safety report it released back in 2019, but Uber refused. If Uber fails to pay the penalty within 30 days, the company's permit there could be suspended. And SpaceX is reportedly in talks with investors to raise another round of funding, looking to double its valuation to as much as $92 billion. The report suggests they're still at an early stage for the talks, with the rocket maker hoping to close in January on that next round. Worldwide Exchange is back after this. live shot right now of Times Square in New York City. The streets are clear, but the city and this entire region is hunkering down for what could be the first major snowstorm of the season coming up Wednesday overnight into Thursday. So we'll see if those streets stay clear in the next couple of days. Welcome back to the show. It's fair to say it has not been easy for companies to operate smoothly during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's especially so for those with locations across the country that have to comply with different guidelines, laws, restrictions, state and city-wise. One restaurant chain that's found some success is Tropical Smoothie Cafe, which has more than 900 outlets in 44 states and Washington, D.C. The company pivoted to a digital strategy that includes mobile ordering, curbside pickups, deliveries. You get the picture. Joining us now is Charles Watson, CEO of Tropical Smoothie Cafe. Charles, you have to navigate so many different regulatory environments. What exactly has been the key to navigating a restaurant operation during the COVID pandemic? The key for us as a franchise organization is really the relationship between ourselves, the franchisor, and our franchisees. Our franchisees have shown an incredible amount of grit and determination through all of this. And I think that's come through with our recent performance. Like, like every restaurant brand, we fell off the COVID cliff in March, and we've been able to climb our way back. In November, we posted plus 26.3% comp sales, and we're up 7% year to date. The way that we managed it was we took a very cautious approach. We leaned on uh, the state and local municipalities, uh, and we're actually one of the first restaurant companies to shut our uh, dining rooms down, thus the shift to digital, as you mentioned. All right. So, so, so take us through, Charles, what exactly has been the real driving force behind getting that kind of traffic into the stores or I shouldn't say maybe into the stores, into the takeout traffic and, and carry out and everything else? Ha- has it been a big marketing push? Has it been a grassroots approach? How do you get people to go to a restaurant like yours and take out food during the pandemic? 
Well, I think Tropical Smoothie by nature of our brand is just very well positioned for unfortunately, this pandemic environment. We serve a healthier product uh, that is also very bold and very flavorful. So very much on people's uh, top of mind at this at this point. So I think by nature, what we serve is very, very uh, conducive to this environment. Also, again, shifting our franchisees to third-party delivery, app delivery, web, et cetera, um, and our involvement in the community. We've given away year-to-date almost 250,000 smoothies to front uh, frontline workers and healthcare uh, folks. And we feel really good. At, this, at the end of the day, this business is a street corner business and we have to own the three mile radius around our cafes. And our franchisees are doing that as great members of their communities giving back where they live, work, and operate. I mean, every business is local for sure to make it successful here. I, I wonder, you're dealing with so many different localities. It's got to be complicated. What's been the hardest or biggest challenge in, in operating in 44 different states, all different kinds of cities, to, to kind of navigate through that process? How much of it comes from you as a parent company, the franchisor, and how much of it is kind of put on your franchisees and the individual locations that they each operate? You know, we we as a franchisor, again, it's an independently owned and operated business, but uh, we I always call the franchisor the head and the franchisee the heart. Um, you know, we have taken, again, a cautious approach in terms of the cafes being shut down. And quite honestly, the dining rooms are shut down. Uh, the operation is not. And we've had great success uh, in third party uh, web, et cetera, as I mentioned. Um, it hasn't been that bad because our franchisees have bounced back and really focused on what they can do right now and what orders they can put across. And luckily, again, we are working with the consumer. and They are coming in to see us. Uh, so we've been lucky in that regard. And before we let you go, Charles, I mean, this is a, a, a large scale restaurant operation. What has you the most excited or optimistic for 2021 and what has you the most cautious and fearful? Well, I got I got to tell you, um, we've had a great 21. We have sold almost 250 new franchise agreements. Uh, we've opened 95 restaurants. Uh, and as I said, year to date, our comp sales are, are over 7%. So we are powering through this pandemic. 2021, I got to tell you, for me, a little bit glass half empty. I think it's more the same through the summer uh, in terms of what we're experiencing right now. I don't think we've seen the worst of COVID as we're seeing in the in the news today. I think back half of 2021, uh, we we start to uh, we start to light the engines, uh, and then it's uh, all uh, all forward after that. But I think the first half of 21 is going to be the more the same uh, as we as we move into a, a very good expansionary period after first half 21. All right, Charles. We wish you and all the other restaurateurs and, and small business operators across the country luck with regard to that trajectory. We hope you'll come back and tell us about the updates in 2021. Sure will. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Well, Pajama Suits, The Office, coming back to NBC and a popular Christmas song securing, yes, again, its number one spot on the holiday charts. Bertha Coombs is here with more on today's top trending stories. Bertha, that song, I can't stop hearing it over and over again all season long. Yeah, but there are worse things to have stuck in your head. But Dom, let's first start out with pajama suits. You know, the late Hugh Hefner famously made a bathrobe and pajamas his uniform, but now Japanese clothing company Aoki has released a pajama suit, which is washable, stretchy. 
It's a cardigan that looks like a suit jacket. It's the latest in what may be the new style trend of 2020, the telework casual. The company also sells suit pants made of the same knit material, but those may be less important for your Zoom calls. Meantime, CNBC's parent company, NBC Universal, announcing that its Peacock streaming service will be the new home of The Office starting on January 1st. The first two seasons of the hit sitcom will be available on the platform's free service, while the rest of the seasons will be behind a $4.99 a month paywall. The Office was the most watched show on Netflix for years before departing that platform. And she has done it again. Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You has topped the Billboard Hot 100 charts for the second year in a row. The popular tune was released in 1994 and really has become a classic. It topped the Hot 100 list for the first time last year. The achievement comes as Mariah Carey also has a new Christmas-themed show out on Apple TV. You know, Dom, if this were the case, a whole plot theme in uh, that Christmas movie which, of course, I can't remember the name of now, would totally uh, disappear. Love, actually. That was all about what was going to be the top Christmas song. So, so for me, I, Carey I, I, love Chris, I love Christmas music. I, I, I turn on Sirius XM Holly pretty much the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> but I would say this, I, I, and this is nothing against Mariah Carey. It's a very popular song for a reason. My wife loves it. I would say that the voice that resonates more with me this kind of modern Christmas is Casey Musgraves. I don't know if you've, if you've listened to her, but the kind of country Christmas stuff has certainly kind of gotten more traction in our household these days. Interesting. I haven't I haven't really listened to that. I sort of stick to the classics. And, you know, I've got to tell you, I, I love how the Grinch stole Christmas. I already have seen it twice. So those songs stick in my head. You know, you're a mean one. I, I always think about Charlie Brown Although Christmas. I've <laughs> seen that one already, too, and I'm sure we're going to watch it again. All right. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those trending stories. We appreciate it. Well, on deck for the show, stocks searching for momentum as investors pit stimulus hopes against lockdown fears. Nuveen's chief investment strategist, Brian Nick, lays out the moves to make with your money in the day ahead and beyond. Worldwide exchanges, by the way, now a podcast. It's another way to get the essential, actionable information we bring you right here on Worldwide Exchange every morning. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast application is, and subscribe to Worldwide Exchange today. That podcast, a must must listen to. Worldwide Exchange is back in a moment after this. Welcome back to the show. Taking a look at the futures picture right now, we could be seeing some modest gains at the opening bell. The Dow is implied higher by roughly 170 points, the S&P higher by roughly 20, and the Nasdaq assuming that outperformance as of late up by about 50 percent or 50 points implied at the opening bell. Well, investors are turning their attention to the latest stimulus proposal as vaccines continue to roll out across the country. For more on the trading day ahead, I'm now joined by Brian Nick, chief investment strategist at Nuveen. Brian, thank you very much for joining us. Is this a market that can still be bought? Thanks for having me, Dom. Uh, we, we think so, because what we were really looking at now is a period where it's going to be a little bit touch and go with the stimulus, the economy, 
probably doesn't come roaring out of the gate in 2021 because of the ongoing presence of the virus. But by this time next year, certainly, if not well before, we think we'll finally be at that bright light at the end of the tunnel. So if you're buying stocks today with the hope that a year or two years or five years from now, you're going to be happy you did so, we think that trade is still very much in place. But the volatility we could see is actually short term, not long term. And as we write in our 2021 outlook, that's actually pretty unusual. Usually you think you know more about the short term and you have more uncertainty about the long term, but it's really reversed here. We have a great sense that the vaccine rolling out is going to help the economy get back on sure footing, that it's going to be a broad-based uh, recovery, and that the rally into 2021 should be more broad-based than what we saw in 2020, which is led heavily by growth. So what exactly is the strategy then, Brian? Because this is what you do. H- how exactly then do you kind of move into the market or, or in and out of the market? How exactly do you tackle investing in this kind of environment? Do you wait for the pullbacks? If so, how much is the pullback worth before you kind of dip in? And what point do you kind of reduce positions? How exactly does that work out? I think the big lesson of 2020 for investors is that waiting for the pullback is almost always the wrong move because that pullback you're looking for may never come. After the initial dip we got this year in February and March, we never really got another opportunity, that good at least, for investors to put their money in. So having put your money in at the end of March, you're quite happy. You've been holding cash all year. You're less happy. We think that we're not going to see the same kind of extreme moves we think in 2021. But being in the market, we think, is still the best route to take. Now, where should we be? We still prefer higher quality names. So even if you're looking at value, we think financials uh, have a nice path for 2021. We think industrials have a chance to outperform. If you're looking outside the United States, uh, emerging markets, especially in places that that have not done as well uh, this year. So Latin America, for for example, those are all plays on, on again, a more uh, positive cyclical story for 2021 versus the very ugly story we got this year. So, Brian, I'm right now this morning, we got the kind of, you know, update to Bank of America Merrill Lynch's global fund manager survey on it. They say that they see cash levels going down to four percent, which triggers which triggers a sell signal on their part, kind of implying that the market is maybe a little bit overvalued at this point. They also say that some of the most crowded trades are long technology, short the U.S. dollar and long Bitcoin. How exactly does that resonate in the kind of construct that you're dealing with as an investment strategist? Well, those all sound pretty right to me. I think technology is a crowded trade because that's where people have, I think, rightly felt safe this year. We still think long term with the revenues, with the operating models, with the innovation, the cash on hand to put more work into investments, we think that's still a good sector to be at. Right now, the valuation may be telling you that, you know, they're there's time for relative underperformance. Doesn't mean we think technology stocks are going to dip next year, but relative to the rest of the market, I don't think they do nearly as well as they did this year. Um, interesting about the, the, the cash levels dipping being a contrarian indicator, I think that's right. If you look at individual investor surveys, all year individual investors were bearish on the market up until really just after the election and after the news about the vaccine, uh, when things have kind of flipped around. And we see the markets you know, have continued to do well, but maybe not at the same trajectory. Uh, because really what we're, what we're seeing here is a market that has been fueled by good news and hope for 2021. When we get news about a vaccine, news about a stimulus compromise, any kind of incremental progress on that, the market tends to like it. Like, looks like the futures are going to be open uh, uh, positive this morning. Um, but when we don't get that news, when people are focusing instead on the virus, on the ongoing uh, health and economic toll it's taking, the market wants to pull back. And I think that's very much emblematic of what individual investors may be doing with their money as well. All right. Ten seconds left, Brian. What's your favorite sector? 
for next year, I think financials. Um, underperformer this year, we think maybe we get a little bit of a, a glide higher in longer-term interest rates next year. Not a big spike, not a big inflationary spike, but um, I think that, that sector is primed to outperform if the economy really gets going again because it benefits from all other sectors doing well. All right. Brian Nick with those calls on financials. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. That does it for here on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box is picking up the coverage next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.